This episode is brought to you by birdieacademy.com and Securo, securo.io. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport and deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class athletes to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Allnut, the CEO of Securo, and today we have Wim Ponnet as our special guest. Wim is the CEO and partner at Fantech Capital. He comes from a background of extreme kayaking and working with organizations such as Yahoo, Coca-Cola, and Endemol Shine. Wim shares his philosophy of finding the line, never giving up, and using resilience to take things to the next level in business and life. Building Resilience Podcast. Wim Ponnet, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. How are you? Very well, Noel, and thank you for, uh, for, for having me. It was good to see you in Sydney um, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was great to meet you and uh, hear more about uh, Fantech and the exciting things you've uh, you've got on the go. Um, today, I'd love to to really spend a bit of time getting to to know you more um, around that theme of resilience. You've got a really interesting background uh, where you've gone from extreme sports um, and taken that mindset then into major organisations such as Yahoo and Endemol Shine. But I think the best place to start Wim, for the audience would be: Can you tell us what a, a young Wim Ponnet was like? In, and what propelled you into uh, getting into sports and what your mindset was like as a young person? <laughs> I think young, uh, young Wim was, uh, was, was definitely uh, probably a bit of a head case. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> middle of, uh, of, of three, uh, three brothers. Um, uh, all three um, sort of in, interesting um, characters. My, my, uh, my younger brother is probably the, the the smartest guy I've I've, I've ever met. Um, obviously, look up to him because he's, he's my he's my kid brother, but uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a pretty pretty smart guy. We um, we come from a, a family of of sports people. My my dad was really really big into sports. Um, he, uh, he as an athlete initially, and and then uh, later um, he got a PhD in sort of predicting um, athletic capabilities. So so sports was the um, was definitely the language spoken in in our household, um, and I think sports ultimately is probably what what kept me out out of trouble. I wasn't exactly a stellar student. Um, I ended up getting into uh, trouble on a on a on a daily basis, being put through the uh, the, the sort of the the, the Catholic schoolboy system probably wasn't the most adapted for me either. Um, let, let, let's say that I had some uh, authority uh, issues, um, <laughs> which made life complicated. I think in the beginning, as you you need to understand, my mom was the principal of a of a school as well, so uh, oh, right. that sort of. Environment I was I was brought up in and I struggled a little bit with with authority. Um, but but as you mentioned, I um, I discovered kayaking. Um, luckily for me, I became pretty good at it. I became absolutely infatuated with it and spent a hundred percent of my time thinking about just going paddling and and training and 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 competing and. Um, making it onto the Belgian Olympic team, um, competing in various world championships and European championships and, and um, probably getting to, um, to, to a level that was relatively competitive, relevant on, on, on sort of the, the, the world stage, meeting some amazing and, and very, uh, very inspiring people, 
probably also meeting for the first time in as as you develop as as a boy sort of the people that you see that you say well i definitely never want to be that guy um which i think is just as important in in terms of how you develop as seeing the guy that that that, that you want to be and then after that moved into what you call the more extreme side of things like we were throwing ourselves of as many waterfalls as as humanly uh, humanly possible which i think again what i i walked away with from that is kayaking is a lot like life you you pick a line and once you're committed to it you stick to that because it's it's too late to do anything about it and um yeah you 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 ride it out and 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 see where you uh, where you end up and so that's that's probably young and and fit me and and then we can take it from there to sort of more maybe a little bit more wise and and definitely older and less less fit me <laughs> well, let's just stay with the young, fit, and fearless you to begin with. Um, um, what's it like being at the top of a, a giant waterfall um, with only one way to go because uh, there's no paddling back from there? What is the feeling of adrenaline? That what's going through your mind? Um, well, actually, not only when you're just just about to drop off the waterfall, but when you when you're actually walking to to get in the kayak before you head down towards it. I, I think it is a it's a fantastically purifying type of experience is I don't think I've ever felt more alone and yet more focused than the minute you strap yourself in in your boat, put on your spray deck, put on your helmet, splash some water in your face and start paddling up to the lip of a drop and you know you are committed and even though you know you have your friends there who could potentially throw you a rope or whatever, at, 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 so you, you are essentially alone and you are committed to getting to the best outcome alone. And I, I think, in in essence, life is like that. It, it's it's you never feel more alive, I think, than after having successfully run a, a tough section of white water. A a big drop. And I, I think many sports people will actually, in the so-called extreme sense of, of sports, will will tell you the same thing, whether you run ultra marathons or whether you you have just accomplished something that is so similar to life. Is as long as you take it one paddle stroke at a time and you you've scouted your line, you've picked your line, you've picked where you want to be right on the lip of that drop. You, 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 as you go down, you put in that right stroke, you tuck in, you, you get ready for impact, you, you braze. And then at, at, at the bottom, whichever way you come up, you roll up and you, you recuperate yourself after that. I don't think I've, I've ever felt anything in, in life that is so, it brings everything so down to the essence that ultimately despite who we surround ourselves with or whatever, we're, we're alone. We're all, we're all alone in this. We live our own lives. We, we pick our own paths. We, we encounter people along the way, but ultimately, ultimately you alone are responsible for the outcome of, of your life. That is what I take away from, from, from kayaking. It, I know it's very philosophical, but that, that is really what I look for in in the the things that I try to do meaningfully in 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 my life is ultimately yeah it's it's 
I'm 46. It's my responsibility to put on my running boots in the morning and to make sure that I stay healthy, to make sure that I put in the work to get this deal over the line. Is no, because nobody else will do it for you. You cannot count on anybody else to to look for the the outcome in in your life. That's within your hands. Yeah, it is a philosophical view, but it's also the truth around that accountability. Um, and, and what we have to do is, as human beings to, like you say, get over the line, whether it's the finishing line um, of, a, of a business deal or whether it's a racetrack, whatever it is, um, having that accountability and that ownership of, of taking matters into our own hands um, is something that's common across high achievers and and people who are who are there to perform, but also overcome challenges as well. A lot of people that we've spoken to on the show when they've spoke about injuries, they've actually said some of their darkest times have been the most rewarding times because taking things step by step, learning from having a, a broken back um, to to sprinting again, that's a journey only you can go on yourself and, and take the, the riches out of it. You might be supported by people, but ultimately it's a, it's a solo journey of strength. So creating that in your life as a young person and going through these adventures um, alone, but utilizing them to have that focus and create that mindset that you can achieve things by yourself. Coming out of your extreme sports career, how did you utilize that into the business perspective? I think I'm very focused in, in terms of understanding realistically where I am today and where it is I, I would like to go. And I believe in getting back to the essence of things. There are very few things that actually really matter and move the needle. And I think if, if you can see through the noise and you can sort of plan your, call it whatever it is, career, call it your, your, your path in life, understanding where you want to go next is, is probably um, the most important thing you can, you can do for yourself, right? It, it's, the, it's the biggest favor you can do for yourself is, is where do I want to be next in your personal life, in your professional life, in, in, in everything you, you try to achieve? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to definitely end up somewhere else. That's, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. So I think I've always been very clear in, in terms of the next thing that I want to achieve. And from failures, because I've, I've gone flat on my face quite a, quite a few times um, uh, professionally uh, as well as, 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 as personally, we all experience things that are not nice. We, we all have setbacks. We have people pass away. We have mental health issues within, within our, our, our close circle, th th things like that. Is where, where do you pick up? And the thing I've probably learned from that is I care about where I want to go. I care actually less about less and less about what people think about who I am is, is it's, I know where I want to go and, and I know the person I want to be and it's become less and less relevant. I think probably to me, what, what, what other people think about that. It, it's, I, I'm, I've become more analytical, I think in, in terms of how I look at a, at a, at a problem and I will say, well, the right way to do this is, is this, and I will bring more people along. It's, it's definitely become less about me. I, I think when you're young, you have a little bit more ego than you do when you're a little bit older. 
removing some of, of that ego, I think has been very helpful for me because ultimately I think it's, it's the, it's maybe not the things you have or the things people think you have. It's the things you do that make life really rewarding. And, and that's, that's how I have translated that in, into my, into my career. Yeah. Having that mindset of focusing on yourself and enjoying your own journey, challenging yourself on your own journey and not necessarily not caring at all about what other people think because there's people in your, your close circle you obviously want to um, want to protect or um, either look up to or mentor, etc. So there is that element of um, there is that element um, of of having that accountability for some others. But what we see so often is so much of the things that people think other people will care about, they care about it for 30 seconds and then it's all part of the rest of a another gossip cycle or other other areas and um and i saw a good um in fact i've got it as a the the backdrop of my laptop a kobe Bryant quote he's like don't hate the haters they're the ones that encourage you to to go to the next level so um if you don't if you're not achieving something then and typically you 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 you're just in the background or um or you're not on anyone's radar to uh, to to cast opinion. So it's not actually not a bad place to be because it means that you're you're thriving and uh, and achieving things. And and ultimately that comes sometimes and sadly with a bit of a target on your back. But but that that's unfortunately the life we live in, especially with with social media and the like. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. And maybe another way to sort of flip that that Kobe quote is is something else I heard recently. I don't know what you said, but. Don't do the things to prove the people who didn't believe in you wrong, but do them to prove the people who do believe in you right. And I think it's probably yeah. a more inspirational way of of, of actually looking at at and and obviously the person the first person to have to believe in you is is you, right? That's that's where it all starts. So it, it's it's I get inspired by things that can't be done. So when somebody tells me, well that's the right thing to look at it, but, but it can be done. That, that's actually what inspired me. So, yeah, fuck it. I'll go and try that. Cause that, that's, <laughs> it, it looks, it looks really hard. I, I still have that little, uh, that little drive that goes like, okay, well, but it'd be really rewarding if we could. So, th- so that's what I want to go and try to do. Yeah. I think that uh, I read an interesting book. It's uh, called Loon Shots. Uh, it were people who think exactly like that. The moon shots are the ones which uh, the ideas that get well funded and expect to take everyone to the moon. The loon shots are the ones where people go, fuck it, that sounds hard. But you know what? I think I'm going to give that a crack. And ultimately, they turn out to be the ones that the ideas and the, uh, and the thoughts that end up really fundamentally changing things. Could you talk me through your time in in, in the corporate world and, and some of the um, some of the challenges that you saw in there and how you personally and how you worked as a team to to overcome that? Obviously, in the the high paced media world of Yahoo and and Endemol Shine, I'm assuming challenges and opportunities were hitting you in the face on a daily basis. Yeah, agreed. So I I don't know where you want me to start, but maybe it's it's. Um it's obviously helpful to start a little bit at the beginning in in terms of as far as challenges go so i as i said earlier i wasn't exactly the um the best student uh, in in school so i i um i never went to university so uh people still ask me where do you go to university and how do you end up and and my answer still is 
I never went to university. I um, I was a pretty average, uh, pretty average student. I uh, did go back to business school a little bit uh, later in life to uh, help um, probably compensate for some of the uh, some of the gaps um, that I obviously had at, at at that time in in my career, and 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 try to help um, compensate for them later in life. None of these things actually matter anymore because you have proven that that you can do things but that first thing and 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 for me that really was coca-cola who who gave me the chance and said quite an interesting uh, background you have all, all of these things you you've done we can see you've been successful in in sports all you need is one person actually to say well i i believe in you right that that's that's the that's the first thing and that's how i ended up in in the corporate world and then when you you get given that chance it's okay how do i how do i always make sure that i am adding value and and i've always i always have this slight imposter syndrome like do i really belong here which probably comes from the fact that yeah i i, I early on in life did not have that network of mbas and and other university students within my network. I, I uh, uh, many people always tell me, "Well, I come. I was the first in my household to go to the to to go to university. Well, I was actually the first in my my family to not go to university. <laughs> <laughs> differently, um, plenty of different so, um, <laughs> exactly. So in in Coca Cola, I am. Um, I, I got the opportunity to work on on the Euro uh, 2008 um, uh, football, um, which was a, a project that was going a little bit off track for us. So I, I was heavily involved, and then uh, the guy running it—we uh, won't name any names—but but let the project a little bit off off track, and so I was brought in um, in a, in a much bigger role than I, than I was actually in initially planned to take to help bring it back on online and, and, and work with, with Frank and, and, and the team to, 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 to try and, and, and get that to, to where it needed to be. And we, we turned that around relatively well. And, and I had actually been seeing, so I, I was working, uh, with some major accounts within the Coke system, uh, to 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 try and make make things things better and and actually on my last day I got to meet Neville Isdell the the the, uh, the 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 then CEO of the, of the Coca Cola company at at the final of of the Euros in in uh, in Vienna and he said well what do you want to go do after this and I said well I've seen that there is a better way actually to help um, build our our business within within the uh, the, the Austrian and in in the uh, in the Swiss market and so with um, the, the, the then CFO, we, we started sort of the, developing the, this go, new go-to-market strategy, which we started implementing in some of our customers, and 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 took that wide. And that's sort of for me was was the sort of the first click to say that actually, well, actually, when you have the right ideas and you can present this in a in a way that is actually really going to demonstrate um, value to the business, you, you can really help the business move forward and if if you can figure out how to move the business forward um the business is gonna find a way to help you move your career forward and and that really started my career in in uh, in in coca-cola and actually got headhunted away then by yahoo who who were setting up their um europe middle east and africa office here in in um uh, in in role and in in switzerland 
to come and help actually structure all of that and, and think about how do we improve improve operations. Very turbulent year. I had five CEOs in, in my first year uh, at, at Yahoo from text messages at two in the morning by Carol Bartz. I've just been fired by the board over text Wow. To Scott Thompson, the the I, I don't know if you've you've heard about this, but the guy lied about this this on on his CV about having a computer science degree. Very tumultuous. To Marissa Meyer coming in, who obviously came with 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 her own challenges, but but some some very very bright people and and um and and I think actually the the, the difference sort of between Yahoo and then the media world. Is is a very big one because I've I've seen some really big egos actually on 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 both sides in the entertainment side but also on on the tech side and then I've seen some of the most understated people who are so incredibly smart in businesses like Yahoo like like some of the brightest people I've I've met that has such a unique way actually that is people always say you need to think out of outside of the box and 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 the, these were people well the box wasn't even there that there was no box and they were thinking about how do we develop this and and like flickr was there 20 years before instagram and messenger and mail and search and and to then the arrogance of actually fucking it up by saying, well, we can do these things better than anybody else. We don't have to acquire Facebook. We don't have to acquire Google because we can do that better. Where Yahoo, we can do these things itself. And you see that cycle being repeated over and over again in, in the corporate world. And I think the thing is to stay humble about it and and realize actually that all of these things have their life cycles. And I think if you look at, at the corporate world, for probably the past 50 years, that top 500 have been the same companies. And in the last 10 years, take the last 10 years, the, the top of the Fortune 500 companies, I think there aren't 10 companies in there that are still the same companies. The, the top 50 are definitely not the same. So yeah. that cycle yeah. of renewal is, is quicker and quicker. And I think it's about constantly adapting, reinventing yourself. And 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 it, it it's a very... It's a very interesting cycle. It's it's people always say you're only as good as your last transaction, but it is more true now, I think, than than it has ever been. And and that's why I like and I think companies like Amazon are so inspiring. What is Amazon today? Well, they're just disrupting. They're disrupting every industry and and trying to get in there. And I think in terms of what we are trying to do with Fantech, that is is it's the same thing is, is people want the new experience and how do we go in there and, and disrupt that and, and, and deliver a better experience to the fans and to our users. And that ultimately is, is what value is going to come from. It's not going to come from the, from the traditional models because technology is the, is the, I'm, I'm an, I'm a geek, right? I'm, I'm an absolutely nerd at heart. I believe in, I believe in things that, are going to make life and society in in that sense better i'm i'm not i'm not mother teresa don't get me wrong i'm i'm a capitalist at heart by but i do actually believe that there is a way for private businesses to change the world and and change the world in in a good way we always think the worst the world is a worse place today than it was 10 years ago but i actually don't believe that i think 
it's more secure. It's probably more open. Things get discussed in a different way. It's just different. Yep. I think it's really a good opportunity for you to share a bit more around uh, Fantech um, and, and your new project within there. When we caught up, I was fascinated to hear what you're trying to do. But I know there's a lot of listeners who are currently working in the corporate space or working in a job that uh, they like, they find interesting, but they've got a real passion for sport. So often when I catch up with my mates at the pub, it's like, if you had some cash, uh, we love sport, what would we do? Would we buy a sports team? Uh, Would we sponsor a sports team? There's so many different things we think about, whether you could travel in the world just watching sport. So there's that alignment in so many people's minds, I feel, where they go, because they're so passionate about sport, whether they play it or they're a spectator, they'd love to have a business where their hobby also lies. Um, there's a young guy in the office who's, uh, who's, who's kicking off his own brand of, uh, of golf shirts and golf attire because he just wants another outlet than, than, other than uh, his successful cyber career to, to keep his passion for sport. Now, you're living that dream on a day-to-day basis now with Fantech and I think the, the audience would love to hear what Fantech's all about and what's driving that from a passionate sports person. Yeah, I think fantastic question. And, and, and obviously, thank you for the opportunity to, to, to be able to talk about Fantech a little bit as well. So w- w- there's four partners in, in, in Fantech. Um, and um, and the, the new thing is that we all like each other, which is, which is fantastic, um, which is a, a great thing. You, you've obviously met, met Dave and, 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 and Terry, and then there's, there's, there's Isabel. And the, the, the four of us have been seriously thinking about this, this for a while now and, and, and finally made it happen. In, in, uh, we incorporated in, in November of, of last year. And, and the, way we, the way we look at, at, at sports is obviously we're all passionate sports fans and, and, and we enjoy sports. And in a very similar way that probably the media and the music industry has, has been very disrupted and, and the way um, people consume music and, and, and communities around, around music come together. And I think that the, the pandemic has definitely ac- ac- accentuated that is. So first of all, Fantech is a sports media investment company. So we, we invest in core sports assets um, that all have large and existing fan communities and, and our entire, the, 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 the reason the company is called Fantech is, is, is not by chance. It, it's all about the fans and super serving those communities. And we think sports businesses are very often not businesses. They are people's passions projects. And so you have a lot of, of oligarchs and, and very wealthy individuals who uh, look at these assets as, as trophy assets and say, I'm going to buy Chelsea. Uh, and, and it doesn't really matter. I have billions, so I can spend money on this. And, and I do the club. They're not very often run as a business. And they're very often not delivering what we think is the best, um, the best service to, to the fans. Obviously, these clubs only are as good as, as, as their fans, because that ultimately is what makes the, the community. And so our entire ethos is around owning the large assets. So think more leagues or competitions rather than individual teams, supercharging those, internationalizing those, and then actually connecting with elements within the tech, the media tech space around that, that are going to help us serve those communities better. So the, the, the things that are 
talked about a lot these days are things such as the metaverse, um, uh, where people go, well, what actually, what does that mean? And so the, the, the way we look at that is, is, is a connection of the digital and the physical world and how we make the, the overall experience for a fan way better. So as an example, as part of these, this investment, I can't really talk about it. We're working on it at the moment. We were, we were at the Formula One Grand Prix, right? So we were sat in a pretty fancy box looking, looking at the race. And it's obviously fantastic when you see the, the car come by. But you can't, you can't really follow what, what is going on because you have a screen. It's very hard to hear. You're sat there with other people, and so there are still people sat within this within the uh, uh, within the grandstands that are listening to an old transistor radio to actually follow the real action of of the race. What's going on? That would typically be one of the areas where we say, well, actually, that is not the optimal fan experience you would get to. So we would look at how do we improve that and how we make that experience better for a fan. How do you deal with um, visually impaired people or people that are hearing impaired? How do you make that experience for those people better? How do you internationalize? Like, how do you take something that is, let's talk about rugby. Like, why is rugby not more popular in the US? What what can be done actually to make that? That is our entire thesis in, in terms of some of the opportunities that we would look at. That That's, in a nutshell, without revealing too much that that's what we're working on at, at the moment and that's what i get super excited about and and wake up every night thinking well actually we could do this and and how cool would it be if we had a virtual world where all of these things would would work together and why do people not do more podcasts around sport those are the type of things that we uh yeah that keeps us up at night yeah, Wim, that's awesome. It's a it's a really exciting project and um, I've got absolute uh, confidence that you guys are really going to take this to the next level. And, and the fans are, are looking for something more out there. You hear a lot about the investments in, in NFTs and, and crypto, etc. for that fan experience. But ultimately, the the action of turning up to a, a football game or a F1, it hasn't really changed in a hundred years, ultimately. Uh, so there's a, a huge opportunity there there to change that. And obviously, yourself coming from that extreme sports world and, and being a fan of sports yourself, um, I think the business is going to go and, and do some really exciting investments and, and really turn some sports on its head. Absolutely. And, and when you look at what, what Netflix has done for Formula One, as an example, right, with Drive to Survive, that, that shoulder content. So all the data we have actually shows that 70% of, of the Gen Z fans, of the Z generation, actually, rather watch that shoulder content, the content around the sport rather than the actual competition. And there is still so much of that storytelling that is left on the on the table. What, what you and I are, are doing here, right? Having having that conversation and, and having having the angle that is not necessarily related to the competition that is not yet done as well as it should be in the sports space as it is done in in the media and entertainment space you have people in entertainment now they have a, they have a bigger business outside of their core acting career or music career based on everything else that it is they 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 do around that and fans really want that right F- fans want to feel that they are part of something they ju- don't just expect one-way communication anywhere. They want to be really engaged. They want to be listened to. They want to be able to impact some of the outcomes. And there is a huge opportunity. We see huge growth and and all the data is indicating that 
even, even though, like, not get me wrong, eh, traditional broadcasting is is still very dependent on on sports, and and broadcasting partners are are an incredibly important part of the ecosystem. But there is so much more to be done around that, and there is so much more to be done. And and I think the US, as as they usually are, is far ahead on on, on some of these things. You you mentioned um, NFTs, but things like smart stadia, um, and and I think we're only yeah, we're only seeing the beginning of that. Even in 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 NFTs, I I think we're moving on from that. Well, it's basically a digital artwork you you buy. Still remains to be seen whether the value of that is is there in in the long run. To actually a a smart contract and NFTs can be something like a membership for life to a unique club that is going to give you access to unique experiences. I I think. Fans post pandemic and, and and all the data is actually supporting that are looking for experiences rather than owning a piece of of merchandise a t-shirt or whatever and if you can give them access to exclusive experiences that are personalized tailored to them then you have a real a real winning combination and that's definitely another element in in terms of what what is integrated in in our thinking. Well, I'm sure the uh, following on from this, the the audience are going to be following Fantech and and hearing some exciting news updates as you guys look to to transform and and retake this uh, market by the the scruff of its neck. It's going to be an exciting time ahead. It's happening as we speak, no. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it will be. Um, I was just going to finish with one final question that we ask everyone to come on the show. Um, how would Wim Ponnet describe resilience? Never giving up. Yeah, as, 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 as simple as that. I, I, I'm into very loud music and, and I don't know if you know an English band called Motorhead, but when, when <laughs> Lemmy was still alive, he got, he got asked, how, how would you uh, describe how, how you, how you became successful? And he said, we just refused to give up that, that was the, that was the answer. And, and I think it's, it's absolutely that. It's it's picking that line, sticking to it, and it it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you if you have the data supporting, if you you have a what you believe is a very solid case, pick your pick your line, stick with it, and and execute on it. I I think in a lot of and particularly in, I've seen this particularly in in the corporate world as well. There is a lot of that chasing tennis balls. Is what's the next next bright object we we can chase? Be aware of everything that is around there, but but be also very mindful of of the of the path you have picked, and understand the steps in in terms of where you need to go. And my wife got into skiing very late in life, and she said, "Oh, this is this is very steep, and it's it's only as steep as that. You need to do that one turn, and then you need to think about that next turn. You don't need to think about all the way to just focus on that one next turn." And and on the difficult days, that's what you do is all I need is to do one more step and then maybe one more step after that. But <laughs> but the next thing is that one step. And and resilience to me is cutting things into small pieces that become manageable. Be aware of the big picture, but do the small things 
and tackle one small thing at a time. Wim, that's an awesome synopsis. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's amazing what we can achieve if we have that mindset of uh, one day at a time, one step at a time, and before you know, we, we can achieve great things. Thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate it. It's in the middle of a, a busy day in Europe, and um, I'm sure that we'll uh, we'll continue to have conversations. And and as Fantech explodes and, and 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 new opportunities have come around, and you hear more tales of resilience, we'd love to have you on the show again. Fantastic, but thank you for having me, Noel. And uh, next time, uh, hopefully, we do this uh, over a beer in in person again. Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks to our guest today, Wim Ponard. We really appreciate your time. We've got two sponsors today. The first of all, Securo. Securo, trust tomorrow. If you'd like to know more about Securo or me, you can head to securo.io. Our second sponsor is Birdie Academy. If you want to get more birdies, join the Birdie Academy. www.birdieacademy.com This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. G'day, this is Tim Gilbert. And I'm Shane Lee. Together, we'll bring you the only podcast you'll need to get your daily dose of sport. With episodes out Monday to Friday afternoons, ready for you on your drive home. We've got a quick hit of sports headlines, keeping you up to date with the news you need to know. And we'll take a deep dive into the stuff you've always wanted to know. Cannot wait. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. We'll see you then.